All right, here we go. This is not a political podcast. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna do that. This is uh, Three Brothers Talking. We're getting back in the swing of things. Uh, not a political podcast, still. We're back back in the saddle we're, again. We're back in the saddle again. And just like old times, I didn't look up what episode number this is uh, before we got started. So, it's um, at least six. What is it? It's at least six. Oh, it's at least much. it's at least sixty. I, I think. think we're about fifty something. I think we're in the sixties. Um, I'll look that up while uh, we while I talk. talk. Yeah. So first, uh, I'm I'm David, and I'm your I'm, uh, I'm your newborn dad host. Oh yeah, you, we have not recorded since you. Have. I'm Jeremy, by the way, yeah. and I am an, a not a newborn dad. I'm a toddler and, and a. I mean, what's a one year old? That's still an infant. She's toddling. A, she's walking around. Yeah, she's 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 walking everywhere. She definitely toddles. She toddles everywhere. more than she walks. That's for sure. Micah's got walking true. down. You know, he's pretty good at it. Well, most he's of the time, pretty good. He wants to do a Spartan race now. By the way. Okay. Well. Yeah. He's got he's plenty of time to practice. Yeah, I gave him my medals the other day to look at, and he's all about it. He goes, "Daddy, you want to do it?" He's like, "I want to see photos." So we were showing him photos, and I showed him a video. Of the obstacles and he goes you he's like you do the race i'm like yep and he and he, do you want to do it and he goes yes I'm like does mommy want to do it and he goes no she can watch <laughs> well that's nice of him i guess to want to do it with you yeah yeah uh, this is episode uh, episode 63 by the way man and, we're getting up uh, there we're, we're getting back in the swing of things andrew would have been here that was the plan but uh andrew's like off in colorado uh, on a golf and and trip with some friends of his, which you know doesn't at all make me jealous to be golfing in Colorado. I mean, I don't like want to be golfing in Colorado. Yeah. I'd rather just be in Colorado a little yeah. bit, like maybe hiking. But. Yeah, they did that too, I think. But anyway, we're not jealous that we're at home and working and you know living life like regular. We're living and, large, uh, man. We are. You know, we're doing all right. My wife and I are doing good. Uh, our son is uh, about eight weeks old now. And, What's your son's uh, name? You haven't said it on the podcast yet. Son's name is Haddon, uh, after the great Spurgeon, because my wife didn't want to go with Spurgeon as a name, so we went with Haddon. Charles was too basic. Spurge. Yeah, I might still do that. But uh, yeah, we're doing good. And what I have learned, because I got home from work today at maybe like six fifteen. 630, I think. And what I have learned is that um, it's really true that if (laughs) for the newborn stage and maybe just for dads in general, I got home at like 630 and I was just sitting on the couch while Rachel was feeding Haddon and I was just maybe stationary for like 20 minutes and I didn't have anything on my mind. And I began to get like my eyes began to get sleepy just because I was standing still, I think, for that long. And then it was like 8.30 and I'm putting him to bed and uh, I'm like about to fall asleep. And I'm like, it's 8.30 and I'm like ready to fall asleep. Okay, I guess this is kind of life right now. Um, Thankfully, we have a very good sleeping son. Uh, All in all, he is pretty great at sleeping, so... We're going to go ahead and uh, be happy about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So you should yeah. be. Always. Yeah, I guess we should be. And uh, we're going to dig into two more episodes of the book. Heaven Misplaced tonight. Uh, two more episodes. Two more. Is that what I said? You said two. I'm, that. I'm rusty, man. I mean, we could stretch this out to be two. <laughs> so this is going to be a lot of talking. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that much. Um, you know, it's just been we a little said that while. last time. It's we just said been that a last while, time we did so. this, Dave. Well, yeah, but that was I was a younger man then, you know. I, I didn't have a baby I yet. Like, I feel like we're really low-key tonight. We're much more low-key than we have been on episodes we have not talked about for a while. Maybe it's because we're just both tired, you know, living yeah, the dream. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't seem like we are as 
I don't know. I didn't listen to my like pep, pep music to get me going. So I'm sorry about that. I, what if what if this is just like a we're right now explaining why this podcast is <laughs> like not interesting to listen to? Is what, that what we're, we're doing? We're phoning it in tonight. <laughs> are we currently are we currently explaining that we're not like doing a good job? <laughs> I feel we're like doing? we're like trying to explain away the fact that this could be just an eh. Yeah. I mean, not that any of our podcasts are super fantastic, but yeah. I think it's just going to be a, eh, we're getting back on the saddle. We might fall off a few times and we're going to get back on the horse. <laughs> That's what it is. So as someone who owns a horse, I can use that metaphor. There you go. Yeah. I would never, I would never dream of that using that metaphor. You can't, you don't own a horse. Yeah, exactly. I would never do it. comes with it. the license. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so this is chapter nine and 10 of heaven misplaced. Um, I feel like the book starts to get kind of interesting here because whereas a lot of this book, I haven't had a lot of differences with it between uh, being an all-millennial person and reading a post-millennial book. I feel like in these chapters, it starts to get pretty um, definitively post-millennial. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, especially because I've had a lot of discussions with a mutual friend of ours who's recently gone post mill not postal well, he, he is no not postal. well yeah so um, but um, but doing that i sit there and say oh okay i see more of it talking through things with him a little more well and it's and as i read this it's like okay i'm starting to see some of the differences uh, more yeah i'm starting to see the differences more um doesn't it all make me more likely to like jump <laughs> ship but uh it just <laughs> Like you're starting, like we said at the beginning of all this, um, to be all millennial and post millennial is really to have, I don't know, if I were to put a number to it, like you've got like seventy five percent in common together, um, if not more. Mm-hmm. Versus pre millennial perspectives, you you know you have a lot less in common, and so we're just getting, I feel like, to the part of the book where you're in that like fifteen percent that's different. And I recognize those numbers didn't add up to 100, but, uh, you know. Dave is not a math guy. Not a math guy. But uh, decided against that at an early age. So didn't the, want to uh, do that. Yeah, the beginning of, or the, sorry, the name of chapter nine is Therefore Go, the Greatness of the Great Commission. And as you might expect, this uh, chapter is all about the Great Commission and understanding that properly. So... What do you think of chapter nine? Um, I can see what you're saying as far as the differences coming out a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think still most of this chapter is still pretty much within the camp of I can understand how it goes. Like the therefore go because I mean, the great thing is because he has authority, he's giving the authority to us. We then can therefore go, meaning we aren't just going willy nilly or lackadaisically yeah um, we have a mission and we have the authority to go to the mission because the one who has authority on heaven and on earth um has cho- told us to go yep. um and because he has been given that authority we are then given the authority to go and finish i don't say finish the race but um uh complete the mission i guess if that makes yeah. sense yeah um yeah, this is not something that. This uh, is still the seventy-five percent or whatever yeah, you said like it was. I think I think that this. I think that a lot of this chapter. I really struggle to see Christians, who would just be, not be able to read it and just say, "Yeah, I agree with that." Um, at least on the yeah. whole, at least on like the ninety percent of this, I on think the that surface. I, yeah, like, I mean these these are the words of scripture. Um, when G- you know Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "All power, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the world." So that's the words. And when Doug goes on to say, "There is now no authority in heaven or on earth that is not subordinate to His authority." I mean, I think that's that's something we all should all say build. that. That's the words of the. That's the words of scripture. So, I hope we can yeah, say. Yeah, but it. I think even the words of scripture, we sit there and say, 
I love the. I think it's only like the second page, but the the sentence going in, like I think we would also there say, yes, Christ has all authority in heaven on earth, but what does that authority really look like as far as winning a war or something like that? Like just because a war is won, does that mean there's still not skirmishes after the fact? If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. Um, but there's this the the line which I'm going to quote a block quote. This is a block quote. Gotcha. So I don't want a formatting error. And me saying gotcha. I'm plagiarizing anyone. That's a deep um, cut. Oh my goodness. There, there's that now no... That's a, that's, a, that's a joke that like six... Well, not even six people are going to get. I mean, to be fair, our listener base is like seven. So that's 99%, yeah, 99% of our listeners. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> there's there's now no authority in heaven or on earth that the is other, not supported. Sorry, the other thing about that joke is that it would take so long to explain... That we can't bring anybody in on it. We're not even going to explain yeah, it. Yeah, we can't. We're just going to keep moving. You can. You, we're just going to keep moving with it. I mean, I'm probably going to make that joke that I'm not plagiarizing at least three more times in the podcast. Well, so. I like the yeah, and that's even. I mean, just using the word plagiarizing. Now we're on like two. We have two potential jokes we could go down. I mean, I haven't checked everything I'm going to say, but I might accidentally rephrase something someone else says. So I'm going to we'll put see. a footnote. We'll uh, just in case. Plagiarism might come up on a future podcast. It's not we should one, do though. one on that. Not, not yeah, like I'd like to. It could be two very, topics, honestly. I feel very strongly about it, so I'd like to. Don't do it. Um, no, I, I, I feel very strongly. I get mad about it. Um, David anyway, does not plagiarize his what sermons. Were you, what were you reading? What were you All reading? Right, so Dougie Wills says in this book that we're reading, there's now... <laughs> There's now no authority in heaven or on earth. This that is, is a not bad support- podcast, man. This- <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's going to be, Andrew's gonna be mad that we made this. Andrew doesn't listen to our book club. That's true. Yeah, it's true. I wonder if Andrew's reading. Do you think Andrew's reading along with the book saying, I didn't get any of this stuff that they're saying right now? No, I don't think well, so. I could have done so much better reviewing this book than them. Maybe this kills the mystique of it. But if he was reading along, he probably would just ask to be on the episodes, too. That'd be hilarious if all of a sudden, like, at the end, the last chapter he brought him in, by the way. Said, hey, yeah, catch like, up for, like, the last <laughs> podcast. Andrew's not, Andrew's a, he's more of, like, a audiobook guy, so I don't even Are you saying Andrew can't read? Are you saying no, Andrew just, can't read? He's a listener, not a reader. He's a math guy? Well, You're Andrew, not the math Andrew, guy? <laughs> well, Andrew, yeah. Andrew listens to, like, he'll, he'll listen to tons of lectures and sermons, more than mm-hmm. I do. Um, but he won't read as much. And that's just the way that he learns. It's what he likes to do. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to go back to my block quote. Let's now. go back to where we were. All right. So we're reading in chapter nine right now, by the way. We're on chapter nine of Heaven Misplaced. Yeah. There's now no authority in heaven or on earth that is not subordinate to his authority. This includes, but is, this includes, but is not limited to the United States Supreme Court, the Muslim rulers of Saudi Arabia, Every parliament on the continent of Europe, the United Nations General Assembly, the U.S. Congress, the legislature of South Dakota, the communist thugs running North Korea, every secret meeting ever convened by the Illuminati or whoever those guys are, and the commissioner of baseball. I think we can say that Christ is supreme and has the authority, which is pretty – like we're studying Colossians now and it talks about the preeminence of Christ and it's all throughout scripture – um, but sitting there to that level that Christ is sovereign over all those things, even like the communist rulers throughout the world and throughout history. Yeah. Um, I don't, we have issues with that in evangelical, in the evangelical circles. Yeah. Um, because we don't want to give God full authority, if that makes sense. I think it's easier for us to believe <sighs> it is emotionally I want to say this carefully and hopefully correctly. Although, honestly, this is an idea that is hard, so it doesn't, it's not fully worked out in my head, my own head. But I think it's emotionally easier for us to believe that God's kingdom and authority hasn't been established over the whole world than it is to believe that his authority could be fully established and yet. North Korea can still exist. Right. Or I think we, yeah. And I think we could also say that it's a spiritual authority, but that's about it. Hmm. Like a, but not like a spiritual authority that has, that has impact. Yeah. It's like a spiritual like, authority that is, that doesn't have an impact. That's what we're yeah. comfortable with. Like when Jesus yeah. says, 
all authority is given into me. We take it as this, like, I don't know, some kind of uh, spiritual authority that just ultimately doesn't mean much of anything. Yeah. Um, as opposed to... Like a token authority. As opposed to how we should really think of a spiritual authority, which is that it rules over everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just find it strange the way it's broken down, and, I mean, I do enjoy... Some people don't like everything how Dougie, Dougie Will says some stuff, which I can understand and appreciate, but the way he writes a lot of the stuff, I just going to say, yeah, it kind of narrows it down to the point of, oh, yeah, even the little things and things we don't think about as, like, him being authority or having some kind of authority over, he still has authority over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is the old... That's a way of saying what Abraham Kuyper said back in the day, which is there's not one inch over all creation uh, over mm. which Jesus doesn't say mine, which is yep. something that um, is hard for me to understand Christians not believing um, because it's just I don't. what it is. But Doug's point here is in the argument from a post-millennial perspective is because that he, because Jesus says he has all authority mm-hmm. um, and that there's nothing outside of that authority that if we ha- begin with all authority, these are his words, we end with all nations. Right. If we begin with an invisible and very spiritual authority, then we end with small collections and every nation of believers in this invisible and very spiritual authority. But Jesus didn't want a small collection of struggling churches in Pakistan. He wants Pakistan itself. He is happy to begin with a small beachhead and an unbelieving nation, but that beachhead must not confuse itself with the coming occupation. Yep. Um, which, as an all-millennial person, I can say, yes, totally agree with that. Jesus does <laughs> want the obedience of the nations, and he will get it. Um, the difference is that I won't necessarily place that before his second coming in full. Um, that may or may not happen. Jesus might um, completely establish his authority before over Pakistan, for example, over the U.S., over anybody, for that matter, before his second coming. But he won't necessarily do that over the whole world. And that's that's that that's the difference between the on mill and the post mill perspective. Yeah, is that the on mill says, well, he might or he could, but he doesn't have to. And the post millennial says. Yes, he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a more definitive thing. Yeah. Well, it's not more definitive. It's more... It's a different order. Uh, A different order. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. I don't want to say the word definitive. Yeah. Because they're both going to have to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it will... They will... We both believe both things will happen. The order, like you said, I guess... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. So okay. we're just going to keep moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Well, and then you get back to the fact of if Christ has been given authority, so where do we fit in? Yeah. If we've been given Christ's authority, and then he goes to the fact of because he has authority, and we are given the authority to therefore go to preach, so that way the nations are discipled, because we were told to disciple the nations, then that's our responsibility to do it. Yeah. Now the fruit of it is outside of our control. Yeah. Um, but which is, I think we're learning with the millennial perspective kind of lends itself to where you and I were talking earlier, but it might not happen fully before the second coming. Um, but we are responsible to go preach the word um, mm-hmm. in and out of the season and let the Christ, the Holy spirit do its work, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the strength of this understanding this to me is that it does change the way that you go and preach and you go and you look at the world around you. Um, and we've said this maybe a few times before in talking about this book, but do you look at the world around you as like lying in the power of the evil one, hopelessly mm-hmm. so, and you're just going to hope hope to carve out and get lucky to um, scoop a few believers out of the world before, uh, before it ultimately like is completely lost. 
Or mm-hmm. do you think like, no, that this whole world actually exists under Jesus' authority. And so I can go and set foot into it, um, believing that he will act. He can act. He has a plan to act. He's going to. Um, and this whole thing isn't an exercise in futility. Um, I know that people who like, maybe you consider like, maybe you believe in Christ's return before his kingdom is established, or maybe you believe even more so that, you know, Christ will come and take his people away. And then a tribulation happens. And then, um, he comes again and then the kingdom's established. And then he comes like a fourth time. Um, sorry, that was a, that was a bit of a barb. I didn't need to throw that anyway. Um, but maybe you even believe that order of things. And the challenge I think that is there is like, do you, do you then consider your job of evangelism as sort of futile? Like, Mm. is it really going to have an impact? Is it really just like, Oh, I'm hoping to carve out a few people here. Mm. Um, because I don't think that's, I do think that that is kind of a different perspective on the world and our place in it and our mission than the Bible paints. I think, I think we are given at least a bit more of a victorious perspective than that. Well, and we get to, I think with those perspectives, both post millennial and you get to enjoy the victory here on earth longer. As far as the definitive, we have the victory in Christ now fully established. And we'll realize that more as the kingdom comes. Because you um, believe. Two more fruition. Because we believe in the victory having been established. Exactly. Um, And also, I think that with the other perspectives, you can see even throughout history, even though for all millennial, typically it's more pessimistic in nature. um, Then, like you said, it's not the full thing. Mm-hmm. before Christ comes. Uh, it's still the world has progressively gotten better over the years. Um, yeah. Then you can and say it hasn't, that, but I would venture to say you'd rather live here now than a hundred years, hundred years ago um, yeah. or something like that. Even with all the craziness going on right now, hundred percent. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is if I believe Jesus has all authority, he's going to work his plan out. And certainly his plan could be that things will get worse and worse all the time. There won't be any victory and then he'll come back and change everything. Mm -hmm. And he would have the prerogative to do that. The problem is that in his word, he hasn't said that to us. Yeah. Um, He hasn't. So, well, and we can go back to let's, if we jump back to when that authority is granted to Christ, Daniel seven, I was going to go no, to talk about the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. Yes, yeah, I think this um, is one of the most interesting, well, interesting and parts you, of Scripture and parts of Jesus' Jesus's life and ministry, too. Yeah, so I'll read it, and then, David, you can jump off with okay. that as far as you're interested in it. So um, this is Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. This is the King James Version he typically uses. So this is not my words. Um, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Well, the first thing I think we do after reading that is you should be in awe of who Jesus is, right? I mean, this is Jesus. That the and we know that the ancient we know that um, the Son of Man is Jesus. He comes before the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and it is given to him dominion, which is a you know dominion, glory, kingdom that every person, nations, and languages would serve him. An everlasting. I mean, we should be in awe of Christ, and I. I think that that's probably a passage in Daniel, and <clears throat> something that we sort of like know applies to Jesus, but we don't really understand how it applies to Jesus. And the truth is, is that that is talking about Christ in His ascension, 
not right. his second coming. Yeah. It is talking about his ascension. Because when was Jesus given this authority? Well, he tells us in Matthew 11, or not Matthew 11, but Matthew 28. We just read it, the Great Commission. Jesus tells us, yeah, Matthew I have that authority right now. Like yeah. he, and, and so he then ascends, the clouds come and receive him, as mm-hmm. it says in the scripture, as it says in Acts 2, or Acts 1, rather. Um so we know that like this is fulfilled and what's being fulfilled yeah. is that Jesus is giving the, is being given the dominion, glory kingdom that every people, nation language should serve him. Well, and if you read the book of Hebrews, you get that, um, mm-hmm. especially when you tie in with Daniel and, and the dreams and the sevens and all that stuff. Um, if you actually look at the historical perspective and takes Jesus writing of the Olivet discourse straight from his mouth. Yeah. Um, and look at Psalm 110 where Lillard, says the father says the lord says to my lord meaning he's a sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool um and this ties into hebrews 5 revelation 20 through 21 and daniel 7 um all these things you can see how the entire how all of scripture is leading up to this moment of christ's victory on the cross his ascension which is when he gets full authority and then boom the kingdom has come on earth yeah. Um, and that kingdom, like it says here, if you just read that one verse and sit in my right hand until your enemies come. Um, and you look at, I guess, the historical perspective of what happened outside after Jesus is um, leaving his ascension. All these things, these themes coincide saying that all authority has been given to him, I guess definitively Mm -hmm. Um, the prophecy that he spoke himself and was also prophesied by other people did come to pass which prophecy in particular are you talking about Uh, I guess if you want to talk about AD 70 um, but even like as a moment of him saying hey um, in the structure of Jerusalem like this will happen um, as a manner of his authority Um, if you know if you look back through history the Jewish history and Rome and all that, it's, I'm not sure how you can't say it's not the same thing yeah, anymore. I thought that's what you were, I thought that's what you were saying. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you're good. I might've gone around the bend a little ways. Well, but. And that's, that's another thing that a lot of Christians, I don't know, just speaking for myself, I didn't even hear that perspective until that perspective on the Olivet discourse. And maybe until I was like 23 years old, honestly, I'd never even heard it. Um, but it's, I think it's pretty correct. And I think we'll get to that in a few chapters too. Um, yeah. If not, we should just do a podcast on it. Yeah, it's true. Um, one of the ways that he breaks down evangelism, he says in the aftermath of the fact that this is talking about the ancient of days and how Jesus, by the way, one of the things I love this is that Jesus says when he's on trial, um, he mm-hmm. says, nevertheless, I say unto you, um, what is this? My Kindle just went crazy. There you go. Um, Nevertheless, I send to you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have heard him blasphemy. The reason that the high priest said that is because Jesus is quoting, in effect, he's quoting Daniel 7. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying it's about me. Um, and so we, I don't know, whenever I read that, I was always kind of taught to read it as just like some generic sort of Jesus saying that he was God, but he was Mm -hmm. being really specific, not only about the fact that he was God, but he was being really specific about what was happening in that moment. Yeah, and what actually him saying that actually entailed. I think we sit there and say, well, the son of man is a title of Jesus, um, but we divorce what that actually truly means, the authority of him saying that. Yeah. Because when he says this, and he, this scholar, the Pharisee, knew exactly what he meant by saying it, hence why he got really, really mad super fast um, and disgraced and wanted him to be killed. Um, I mean, it makes sense that someone who believes that they're really the opposite will want to do that. Yeah. Um, or just even took 
the scriptures that seriously. So there's a, how dare you say these things? Yeah. You can't be this. Um, you are, you are speaking out of your turn here. And this um, is I think where we have in ahead. a pluralistic polytheistic society, which is probably what we are in America now. Um, really? You have, well, I mean, we don't take <laughs> no, we are. God's word seriously at all. Um, yeah. We can just then say, well, that's going to be, we, if someone said this today, we should say, well, that's his, that's his belief. Mm-hmm. And you just write it off and be done with it. But no, like, that meant something saying that to a Pharisee then, like, and it got the response, honestly, what a correct response from that Pharisee who believed that what he believed. Yeah. Granted, not a Christian response. Yeah. But a response in light of that worldview. Mm-hmm. Because it was a big statement Christ said. Yeah. That, um, this whole thing leads me to, um, the ending of this chapter when we're talking about all these, these different promises that are in scripture. Um, it says, what did Jesus receive when he approached the ancient of days? The scriptures are exceedingly clear. He received everlasting dominion, glory, and an indestructible and universal kingdom. As Daniel seven thirteen through 14, he received the heathen for his inheritance and the uttermost ends of the earth as his possession, Psalm 2, 8. He receives the worship of all the families on the earth and the remembrance of all the ends of the world, Psalm 22, 27. He will receive all men as they strain to him, the ensign of Jesse, Isaiah eleven ten, and his rest shall be glorious. The earth shall be as full of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus as the Pacific is wet, Isaiah eleven nine. He will receive all his adversaries made into his footstool, Psalm one ten, as you read, Jeremy. He will receive the human race unveiled, Isaiah twenty five seven, and he will set a feast of fat things, full of marrow, full of fat, and wine on the lees, well refined, Isaiah twenty five eight. Now Doug goes on to say, this world, the one we live in now, will be put right, put to rights before the second coming, before the end of all things. The only enemy not destroyed through the advance of the gospel will be death itself, and even that enemy will be in confused retreat. Isaiah sixty five twenty. The ramifications of this are many, but one of the things is that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yes, that is awesome to read. I, this is where I struggle because, mm-hmm. and maybe I just don't grasp it perfectly, but how, um, so the scriptures do say that the last enemy to be defeated is death. It says yes. in first Corinthians, that's the last enemy to be defeated, that Jesus will deliver the kingdom to the father. But whenever you say that the only, like, I, I'm struggling to understand how can, how can death itself be the only thing not conquered? Does that mean that there is no sinfulness left in the world? If there's no, you know what I'm, do you know what I'm asking? Like, if that's the only, if that's the only enemy left, is there like, no sinfulness left. And if there's no sinfulness left, then how is death still around before Christ yeah, comes I, back? And that's kind of one of the issues I have with the post millennial. And that's one reason why we're not in that camp. Yeah. Um, the perspective, and I haven't heard a great answer saying, well, there's still a, a pocket of, there potentially could be a pocket where there's not ever a believer. I'm like, well, then I'm confused. Then you're not post um, to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, and, you, then and that's that, why there's like, a lot okay, of them that are similar enough that like, I think we're splitting hairs here yeah. and, and we're on the same team. We just don't want to say, yeah, I don't want to give up my title. Yeah, I guess. maybe. I, I haven't heard. I, I mean, this all sounds great and I love it. Um, and it's a yes, scripture to say, it, but I don't know how you there to say that death isn't defeated at, until Christ's second coming, which is true. It says that. Yeah. Um, but you can say it's retreating. So I'm like, okay, so it's not really defeated, but it is retreating. Yeah. Which is kind of a defeat. Um, <laughs> but you sit there and say, well, I'm confused as to if there's no sin left. I, I guess I haven't heard the arguments that they're saying, where did the sinners all 
Or where did the unbelievers yeah, all go? That, we'll just go with that statement versus where the singers all go. That's what I'm struggling with too because well, this is even now, you could, with, well, go ahead. Let's backtrack a second. Yeah. Um, your the statement of just because we're Christians does not mean that there is not parts of us where sin still holds on. Correct. So even the fact of we have a defeated foe in sin, and I'm conjecturing here because I'm not trying to relay what's being said yeah. um, and make it make sense. Just because I'm a Christian does not mean every sin is, I won't sin again, if yeah. that makes sense. You still so have the ability, Christ, right now you have the ability to sin. Right. Um, and I have the ability to repent. Yes. Um, and I am still saved, regardless if I do sin or not. Yes. Um, but, so if Christ advances and the last, the final is death, I guess I don't understand the separation between sinners saying Christ came and then death gets defeated. But then when do we stop sinning completely and fully realize our salvation in that yeah. moment of, does it happen before that or not? Is that what you're trying to ask? Yeah. Like, does it happen before that? And does it happen for the whole world before that? Does it happen for like a majority of the world before that? Um, well, and that would mean that everyone gets to the same point of <laughs> sanctification at the same point. It's, okay, now we're all past yeah. it or well, something. In, and I don't know, maybe there's good answers for this. And if I'm sure if there I are. Find that, yeah, I'm sure that there are. But one of the problems I have with pre-millennial perspectives is that there's this semi-perfect state where like Jesus returns... And, or not Jesus returns, but Jesus' kingdom is established, and you have this mixture of um, saved and unsaved, but somehow you're in this semi-perfect, semi-eternal state. Yeah, it kind of seems like a flipped version of that. And it's like, yeah, it seems like a flipped version of the pre-millennial problem, which is you have, what, like, resurrected people living next to non-resurrected people? non-believing regenerated people. versus like, yeah, non-regenerated like which is one of the strengths i think of well, being all millennial is that you have i think the scriptures just talk about two ages right now mm-hmm. um sin well, is not ruling the world com- and it is under christ's authority he is putting enemies under his feet um it may or may not be uniform in every country in every part of the world and uh-huh. we will have this um, you will have the victory of the gospel and you will have the church continually getting gro- growing and getting stronger. Um, even if the world isn't necessarily growing and getting stronger, but the church will be, um, mm-hmm. and well, until, and then Christ will return. And then you actually have the perfect set, right. Um, eternal state. And I, I'm, I, I don't understand what the definition of um, things being set right are before mm-hmm. the resurrection. That's what I struggle well, to understand. And one of the things that going back to those post will people I know most, not all, most are Presbyterian or they have that view of covenant theology, which yeah. makes sense. Kyle, you can have this other category that we as I'll say particular Baptist or a foreign Baptist, whatever you want to call it, don't really have, um, I guess, if that because they can have this category of in the covenant, but not in the covenant. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The administration of the covenant, um, similar to the Jews uh, back in yeah. the days, what they'll point back to. Yeah. Um, and maybe that lends itself to this, and which is why you and I can't fully, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess, make that leap. Um, I don't remember One of the where I heard why. that, but I heard a Presbyterian explaining post-millennialism in that way well, one time. And I remember and most, thinking, that's why I can't believe it. <laughs> well, and that's what most Orthodox or Reformed Presbyterians, like, you know. Um, We're not, talking about the ones that believe the Bible. <laughs> the ones that believe the Bible um, are post-millennial that I know mm-hmm. of. Um, yeah, definitely. That's just the way it is. And it's so, much more a and part that of makes their, sense. It's much more a part of the historical tradition than yeah. like dispensationalism or pre like obviously dispensationalism would be for them. Um, yeah. 
but this is yeah like i said this is the thing that i that is one of the sticking points with it um because i just don't see i don't see where things are set right um before the coming before the second coming um that doesn't mean and this is the this is the other attack that is a fair attack i think is well then you speaking a post-millennial speaking to an all-millennial person well then you like have this pessimistic attitude and you don't really believe christ is reigning now but i'm sitting here going no i can i can actually believe in the victory of the gospel and I can mm. even I can even believe that the gospel might even like overtake whole nations and topple kingdoms. And it might have a huge hold on the whole world. It could mm. do that. God could do that for a time or up until the second coming. But the difference is I'm not con- I'm not confusing it with a um, semi perfect state. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, so there's no. I, I don't. I don't under. I don't. I've read a lot, not as much as a lot of other people. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, I've read so much, but I don't understand the accusation that um, all millennialism one doesn't believe in like going out there and taking dominion on the world, and two is like unbiblically pessimistic. I just I don't know as as someone who believes in all millennials uh, perspectives, I don't feel the tension there at all. I feel like I, I feel like I can yeah. I feel like I can go and believe that God will establish our work. He could establish our work. I'm going to choose to believe He will because He says that He's faithful. I'm not gonna. I have no biblical reason to put in gospel work and assume that it's all going to just crumble to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um. And I really, I've tried hard to figure it out, but I don't think that's being inconsistent. I don't think it is. Someone could maybe point out to me where it is a little inconsistent, but I really don't feel like it is. Um, yeah. For me. There's there's a little, I guess that's a little soapbox of mine. I don't know. But that's where, that lets the, um, I guess that's my case for being motivated and optimistic as an all-millennial person, um, but not... Well, I don't know how you still can't be. Similar people who have the issue with the frozen chosen Calvinist movement, mm. like they'll say, like, well, how? why would you preach then? Like, well, we're told to, and yeah. if I'm the means, I'm the instrument for this to advance. And um, we're told the kingdom has come, but we still have to keep, we still have battles to fight yeah, to advance that kingdom and win souls, um, and we're we're told that we're not just going to lose every battle, right? And like, that's where the that. all mill and post. Like I was talking, that the Man of God podcast actually did a pretty good. Mm. They did a few breakdowns. That's just pretty good. Um, yeah, but their like discussion on how they did a yeah, historical kind of tracing an overview of all of them. Um, but the discussion of how even. In all mill and post mill, we can sit there and, and our commission still is the exact same. And, and for the most part, the way we're going to go about things is very similar. Um, one, we'll just say, might be more optimistic, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. just for, um, I guess, charity and trying to make sure we're on the same page. But we're just saying that so they don't yell at us. Yeah, you know, all my <laughs> post mill friends that listen to our podcast. That's right. <laughs> of our seven listeners yeah. um but no you said that perspective of we're still working to advance something that we've been given authority to advance yeah versus the other perspectives the i guess the game plan is slightly different yeah or i guess how you go about it and why you go about it are slightly different it might be the same game plan of doing it but i guess the authority you have to do it has to be somewhat different based yeah. on your understanding of scripture and history and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I understand that at least a little bit. I understand where uh, this book is coming from in that perspective um, of yeah. how this idea strengthens you to go and um, believe that he things does. will last. 
he does do a good job of like making you want to go. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. He has a couple paragraphs in here that when I read them, like you had said, the paragraph you read earlier and you said how like some people don't like the way he writes that paragraph. When I got done reading it for the first time, I was like, that's exactly why I like that. Yeah, I the same thing. Yeah, I was like, this is exactly why I like this writing It's just because of this paragraph. (laughs) Yes, I thought the same thing. So, Um, so let's go to chapter 10 real fast, which is a really short chapter. And it's all that about it's all about Psalm 22, which when you're thinking about eschatology, you probably might never think of Psalm 22. But the whole point of this chapter is talking about what was Jesus thinking about when he was on the cross or what, you know, Jesus quotes Psalm 22 when he's on the cross. Why does he do that? I, it was kind of the background for it, I would say. Mm hmm. Um, what thoughts came for you from Psalm tw- or chapter 10 about Psalm 22? Um, so, I mean, it's always one of those things that's interesting how he, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah. Um, why art thou so far from helping me? I think that we would sit there and say, yeah, we all know that that is a messianic prophecy, but the depths of, I guess, that fractured relationship that's never been fractured um, hmm. from all eternity past um first off the pain of that yeah um depths of pain we would never we will never thankfully have to understand yeah um because christ went through it but the fact that because that was done we can have hope eternally um i mean and that's what if you read like we all go to he even illustrates we all go to isaiah 53 and the suffering servant yeah a man of sorrows but Psalm one, Psalm twenty two has a lot of the same imagery with it um, as a messianic mm-hmm. psalm. Yeah i I think this is maybe one of the better breakdowns of Psalm twenty two I've ever read. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, if I ever am preaching on Psalm twenty two, I'm gonna be using this chapter. <laughs> Don't steal his sermon, Dave. I won't steal it. I'll, I will, uh, I'll give attribution when needed. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really good understanding why Jesus chose and and just how thoroughly it's not like, Oh, a few of these lines have to do with Jesus. It's like, Oh, this entire, this entire Psalm. Yeah. The entire Psalm. Um, and one of the things that he points out here, and maybe this is a good place to land the plane. Cause I think that, some of this chapter points back to things we've already talked about in the chapter before, mm. but it's actually something that popped into my mind when I was reading. It has questions for discussion, which uh, just so you guys know, we haven't used at all the whole time we've been going through this because we're pros and we come up with our own. We make our own questions for discussion. That's right. By that, I mean, we just talk randomly. We just talk. Um, but the whole point of this chapter, one of the points of it, I should say, is how evil the men were that were doing this murder to Christ. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that they were doing this, they were accomplishing um, the salvation. Where does he, uh, where does he say this here? Okay. Um, he, he says that these men I, I'm struggling to find it now. My Kindle is like being weird online. Um, this is what I get for using the the online version. Um, but where it talks about like the, what the men were doing, and it says what were they doing in the very end? Or they were accomplishing the salvation um, for Christ. But what I wanted to focus on is this this intro oh, do you have it you can read it real fast if you want to read it um so they exalt as they hang the messiah of god upon a gibbet and lift him up and by their wicked action they accomplish the salvation of the entire world mm-hmm. their murdering malice was the instrument of my salvation and yours and not ours only but also the the salvation of all the ends of the earth there you go um and so the intro for the question of the discussion says when christ died on the cross he did so knowing that he was going to come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. He did not know this because he was secretly accessing the knowledge. 
He knew this because God had promised that this is what he would do throughout the Old Testament. Jesus had been singing and chanting the Psalms since he was a boy. God had published the game plan in advance. And I thought that was a super good summary of this chapter, by the way. Yeah, I was like, that's really good. And um, that hit me about where just where we might be today. Um, Mm -hmm. That, I mean, as we said at the beginning, you know, not a political podcast, um, not really a current events podcast. But where we are right now, the different things that we're dealing with as people or the church is dealing with as a whole, um, whether it's um, pandemics and coronaviruses, whether it's uh, governments doing all sorts of things or other authorities, um, not just government authorities, but business authorities, economic authorities, um, people who have power doing all sorts of things. And some of those things, at the very least, um, are not in obedience to Christ. Uh And as I read this chapter, part of me just thought, there is so much hope here as you read this. Because what were these? These men were acting in straight out defiance of God. And they were murdering Jesus. And yet that was accomplishing God's plan perfectly. That was the game plan that God had published in advance and they, they did it. They followed it. They didn't want to, but that is just a fuller. We talked earlier about how sometimes it's emotionally easier to believe that God's sovereignty isn't really there over evil, Mm -hmm. but it's like, now I read this and I'm really thankful that it's there um, over all things because Mm -hmm some of the things that we feel like we might be facing now, some of the fears that we have, whether they're personal fears or like, you know, more macro level fears. So what are we afraid about when this is the God that's in control, even of wicked men, Mm -hmm. even those, even wicked men are made a footstool for his feet, even powerful wicked men. Yeah. When you think throughout history of all the great evils that have come to pass, um, and well, we use crooked men, God still has straight judgment regardless. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the exact quote. Um, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. Right. Like you look back, even the Old Testament, they have like the Amalekites. I'm going to use the Amalekites for my justice to punish my people, Israel, because of their sins. Yeah. Um, and all that is still becoming him using that is also still bringing fruition and salvation, which is the greatest good as a result of it way a hundred hundreds of years later. Yeah. Um, so yes, with everything, I guess going on, um, on every level, no matter where you are, you're being touched in some way, shape or form. But the hope is in the authority of Christ that all things will come. All the, all the sad things will come untrue. Yeah. Um, to quote C.S. Lewis, yeah. Um, and that's hope we have in in Christ alone. Yeah. That because He suffered and died, um, and because the entire Scripture from Genesis to Revelation talks about that. Um, that's what we keep going back to. Like Psalm twenty two, it doesn't really go back. We don't talk about that much with the crucifixion, but you can see if you look from the broader perspective of messianic prophecy, you can see wow. There's a lot more connections than just what I'm told on the surface. Yeah. Um, you can see the broader picture of the story. And with that allows you to revel and worship in God's sovereignty more. Yeah. Over all things. And just think about like Christians need to remember how powerful their savior is. I mean, he, as one of the earlier chapters said, Jesus took the devil's stuff when it's talking about the mm-hmm. strong man being bound Think about how cool that is. And we're as a church, we're about to go through Colossians, like Jeremy said. And one of the coolest passages of Colossians is where it says that Jesus um, disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put Mm. them to open shame, uh, nailing them to the cross and triumphing over them. Mm. Just completely and totally um, demolishing, brutalizing, beating, beating up. Uh, taking out back to the woodshed, right? Like just complete 
destroying and humiliating of them. Mm -hmm. And that is what Christ has done. And so we do live in this world now, not in a world that lies um, just totally just in the power of the evil one. And boy, we hope we can make it out alive. We live in this world that has been bought by Christ. And he did say, all the authority is mine. So go and live. Um, and and, we and can, one more yeah. note. I'm sorry about, about that last sentence. We can sit there and say, well, yeah, Christ is fully God and fully human. But he was relying on what he was taught in scripture too. Like there wasn't like he talked about like he didn't look for us sit there and say, like, no, he believed the promises of God of the Father to glorify him. Yeah. Like that's an important point. Like he lived the life and faith that we could never live. Yeah. Um and his faith was perfect and didn't falter. Yeah. Um, I guess if he sit there and say, Well, he knew it was gonna happen then it has a different ramification for it, I guess. Yeah, with that human, I mean, that is the humanity of Christ, is that it wasn't just on the level of sovereign God, but it was also on the level of being fully man. Well, and we have to have that, because if not, you have half a Savior. Yep. And yep. your sins aren't fully paid, which we'd have to have a whole other discussion on lots of other things for Christology <laughs> with that. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's a few books I want to read on that. So Okay. Maybe we can read one of them. Maybe we'll do here. more book clubs. Yeah. Maybe they'll go faster than this book club. I think it will. I think we're starting to get the <laughs> the hang of this. I well, think if we do two th- <laughs> we could do Sam Riddlebacher's or Sam Tim's, Storm's book. It'd oh, take Tim. like no. Sam Storm's uh, millennial book would take like a decade for us to go through. No, the next eschatology book will be all millennial and uh, it will be I don't know. Riddlebarger's book would be good. Um, yeah, it's shorter. And it's really good. Significantly. So, um, wrapping things up, man. I think yeah. we I think we nailed it. It wasn't, you know, I, like we said, we I tried think, hard. I think we got in our stride in the middle. I, I feel so. like it was more like a roller coaster. Like, it kind of, like, was in like, we're not going to go straight up the hill. But when we came down, we yeah. came down good. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, it, it was, was like a, ride. it was like a baseball game that had no runs or hits until like the seventh inning or the eighth inning. Yeah, probably. And then, uh, <laughs> and then at the very end, like somebody got it all gone. So, but not all. Not only that, there was no hits. It also like it was not like oh, because the two pitchers were like throwing perfect games. It wasn't a pitching duel. It was just it like was people just can't hit. Yeah, like the people like yeah. they're in right to the first baseman and going straight just out. Bad. Like there's, it's just it's just ugly baseball. There's errors and all that stuff. But yeah, absolutely. The kind of game of football where you watch it and you're like, how hasn't anybody scored? And why haven't they <laughs> Either, done it? Everyone's just dropping the and football And why am the I ground. here? Why am I doing this? But anyway, um, I'll hopefully post the links to that Man of God series of the, like they did an es- a history of eschatology. Um, mm-hmm. That was really good. Really good yeah. uh, understanding. It was a pretty good breakdown. Of how different perspectives and when different perspectives came about. Um, but also my recommendation for this episode is going to be a band that is long gone, but uh, not forgotten by me, which is a band called falling up, which is one of my favorites. And, uh, I just started listening. Which album were you listening to? Oh, uh, today I listened to four of them. So uh, (laughs) today I listened to golden arrows. One's pretty good. What's one before that one? Golden arrows. What? The golden arrows is like supposed to be a, like, um, a concept album. Yes. Gold, Golden Arrows Oh, on it. Uh, Fangs. Or I th- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to Captiva today. And That's a good one. That's, that is a good one. Dawn Escapes. And I listened to their first one. And they're, they're one of their best ones, I should say. Maybe their best one in my book is an album that actually came out in 2015 by them. Really under the radar. They had been broken up for a while. And they like came back together. And it's just called Falling Up. Um, and it's really good. If you like... Especially that, especially as they went on in their career, if you like a really interesting kind of rock, um, I would recommend it. I don't know how to describe this sort of style that they are. Um, I don't know, but anyway, it's really good. That's my recommendation. And I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend um, uh, 
Goodness, I had something on the tip of my tongue. Um, was it? Yeah, I don't know. Was it bourbon? No, it wasn't that. I don't remember what it was. It was probably not that. Um, we'll save it for next time. We'll save it. We'll have more podcasts. We you will. Know, I can do another reco. Maybe I'll just shoot a reco out like a very small podcast of myself saying, hey, my recommendation this week is this. Just a reco. Just a reco. All I'm going to do, five minutes. That's a, that's a good idea. I like it. Oh, I've been I reading like Exodus. Exodus is good. That's what it is. Um, okay. I guess I was trying to read. So I was listening to someone talk about, I think it was Alistair Begg discuss Esther um, mm. and how you don't really see God. You don't explicitly hear the word God mentioned as far as him doing something. Um, but he's obviously moving in his unseen hand throughout the entire book. And I was yeah. reading um, the beginning talking about Moses um, and how like all this stuff is happening and it, it hit me like, wow, this is all a similar thing of like the unseen hand of God up until the burning bush. Like the fact mm-hmm. that he gets saved, he gets put into a basket and he doesn't get killed when the midwives are everyone's all the babies are getting killed. Then he goes yeah. to Pharaoh's wife, all these things by Providence. Um, I guess seeing that, trying to see that theme more throughout scripture and lo- illuminates a lot more, I guess. Um, yeah. Huh. throughout it so it kind of hit me this week since i was thinking about that and i was reading that i'm like oh hey it's the same concept there you go that's nice god's doing stuff right we on. don't see he is and that is good good to remember um yep. we will be back soon with more episodes more regular episodes because andrew will be back in town and we're getting back in the swing of things so uh please share this episode this uh boring baseball game of an episode with somebody that you care about and uh, we'll be back. We're not care about just you know someone on the random just honestly, street. Honestly, somebody would be fine. And uh, until next time, we'll see you next time. <laughs>